Friends, it is my joy and pleasure to introduce our speaker today, who is a close friend and a godmother to one of our daughters. So you'll see all the influence where it comes from. Carolyn Keezer, she's our lead pastor at Every Nation Church at Wirtz University. She came to know the Lord while she was a student at Wirtz, and a few months later, she had the call to come into full-time ministry. Now, 13 years later, she's a lead pastor. She also leads a regional campus ministry. Uh, she has preached in the U.S., in the Philippines, in the U.K., in Australia, and today it's our honor to have Carol with us. Can we just give her a round of applause? Come, Carol. I was just running connect groups at all these places. Let's not um, hype it up <laughs> because I want your expectations to be very low. And I'm hoping for the Lord to touch you and then you would think that I, they really invited me for a reason. <laughs> well, good morning. It's so good to be here. I don't think I've ever been more nervous. And this is home. It's supposed to be easier. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Stein, Pastor Lindy, for inviting me. Now, I was told that I've got about 30 minutes. So I, you know, and this is, again, not good for a speaker to ever mention time. Especially because now you're going to look at the watch. But it's part of my script, so I have to say it. So I was given 30 minutes and I thought that I'd like all the intercessors in this, in this church to begin to intercess right now and not listen to my message, but spend time intercessing for me, um, interceding for me so that I could get some um, grace and we could see a miracle that I could speak in 30 minutes. <laughs> so this intercession, yes, I know we should be praying for the lost. Yes, I know we should be praying for those who are in need, but right now I am in need of a miracle. And this is why this happens, because I've been rambling for two minutes, have you noticed? But I'm gonna stop mentioning time as the intercessors are, are interceding. I'm gonna open in prayer for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you're already doing. We thank you for the confirmation from worship to the offering message to the testimonies, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for what you're about to do in our lives. This morning, we open up our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, won't you come in and just do what you need to do in us? Won't you come and remind us what we need to be reminded of? Won't you come and do the work that you've already been doing in us, that this word would be a confirmation? Proverbs um, talks about a heart, um, hope deferred, making the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is like a tree of life. And this morning I pray, Father, that you would answer prayers. That, Father God, people who've been longing and waiting on you, Lord God, would begin to receive their promise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I would introduce myself, but there's not much to it. I know everybody expects, like, the husband, he's not there. No, I'm not recruiting. Because I've, I've made a mistake often of saying that, yes, I'm still single and I'm 38 years old. And then I get a lot of Facebook messages and some people saying that they heard from the Lord. No, you haven't heard anything. God did not speak to me before I came here. He didn't say, Carol, today you're going to meet your husband. 
So let's just clear that one out. It's not, I'm not recruiting. I'm just letting you know, so you know who's standing in front of you. <laughs> and yes, I am 38 years old. Very hard to believe. <laughs> I can see why they never invite me to come speak here. <laughs> Okay, so we've been talking about just one, especially this morning that's been highlighted. Take a risk, just one. So some people find it easy to reach out to the lost or to preach the gospel to the lost. How many of you would say you, you find it relatively easy? Yes, we know Nero, put your hand down. He literally reaches, you know, like he gets people saved in his sleep. No, no joke. Like, if you go with Nair and you reach out to someone, they will receive Christ. The guy really has an anointing over his life. Now, whenever I want to have a story, I take him, because you must recognize where God has graced people and just partner with them. But how many of us would say that this is the easiest thing to do, to reach out to someone, to just start a conversation, to, you know, stories you hear from evangelists all the time and I'm sitting in, on a train or in a bus or on a plane and, and then next to me I saw this woman and I thought, you know, I asked her one question and it led to another and led to this conversation. She unpacked her entire life and boom, she received Christ. And I sit next to someone, try a conversation, it becomes awkward and the more I try, the more awkward it becomes, the more I realize I am just not an evangelist. I will try it at a shop, you know, you get to um, the till and you're trying to pay and it, you know, you get there and you're like, hi, how are you? So how's your day going today? You know, plastic. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're thinking, so where to from here? I mean, yes, plastic, but um, also I asked you a question, how was your day? But if you start pulling that person into saying that they're doing fine, you're no longer reaching them with the love of Christ. You are now forcing them to engage with you because you desperately need a testimony. Because can you just understand and be nice for once and be filled with God? And when I say, how are you? You say, I'm so good, but get so lost and I need the Lord. And won't you please come and speak to me? So I say, you are at the right place at the right time. Jesus has come to save you. It doesn't always happen like that. So some of us, we don't find it that easy to reach out to people. So we can't really put evangelism in a box of personality. Because if we do that, then the yardstick that we use to measure whether we're reaching out or not will fail us. Then there are certain people who will not measure up to that because of their personality. See, reaching out to people with God's love is not dependent on your personality and how well you speak. Well, you speak so well. It's not about how well you speak. It's about what you've encountered. It's about who you've encountered. It's about a love that compels us. See, the love of Christ compels us, but it's not in the action in how it compels us, more than the fact that has it compelled you. Are you compelled by God's love? Or like me, do you first start with pressure and then move to God's love? Do we have water? Please can I drink your water, darling? 
Thank you. <laughs> I know this is not good. Please just pause and play. <laughs> this is what I was actually going to say after we interceded for my time. I said that someone once said, blessed are those who um, preach short messages for they will be invited again, but we've gone past that stage. <laughs> so I know why I won't be invited again. <laughs> The love of Christ compels us to reach out to the lost, to those who are seeking, or to those who don't know that they are seeking or don't know that they are lost. Often people don't know that they are actually lost. It's not that simple. It's not just a label that someone wears in their forehead that I am a sinner, I am the lost, I am a seeker. So we, with our lives, could minister before we even speak to people because of the way we live. Not that you shouldn't speak, but it's, it's more about Christ and what is done in you. Does it compel you to feel like I've got to share these news? Is your life reflecting that? Are you experiencing that? Because if you're not experiencing that love, then you will definitely move into the doing for God to find significance in God. You will, you will be compelled to do it because it's the right thing to do. Because it's the thing that makes you look like a Christian. Because it's the thing that makes you become recognized as a Christian. But not being compelled by the love of Christ will make you miss so many moments that Christ has already set the table for you to be yourself and not add anything to it. Ever met people that are themselves when they're at home and different when they're at church or around their church friends? Look, I think we sometimes all fall into that trap. If my family were here, which two members are, but I will not point them out because at least they are saved by the love of Christ. But if my family were here, they'd be like, nice, very nice. She seems tender. <laughs> She looks like she's, she means what she's saying. It's good. Why? Because we've, been, we've all been caught in, in, in moments that are not so great with our families. Where what comes out, you, you know, other people will be sure, <gasps> Pastor Carol. But it comes out when you're with a family, you try very hard. You know, I, you know, the first two days are always very successful over Christmas holidays. Very successful. <laughs> Just very successful. I'm serving everybody. I'm just loving on everybody. I'm making food for everybody. They bring all their kids and I'm loving on the children and I'm not irritated at all. And I'm not uh, thinking you're so spoiled, what a spoiled brat, I'm loving them. I'm just giving them, you know, like the love of God, opening up the Bible with them and we're talking through, you know, like God and their lives and how God loves them. And we pray together and they see why they say unto Carol saved and is a pastor. And you know, second day, but you know, third day, then it's like, send the kids to the kids' house. It's like, okay, that's enough. We've done the first two days. You now keep all your children. Everybody, do your own thing. <laughs> oh, but it's holidays and we want to spend time with them. No, 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 no. We need another plan. This is me in the front, the pastor, now trying to tell the family how they shouldn't all come to my house at the same time because it's really annoying to keep looking after their children. The love of God. <laughs> yeah. 
it compels us. <laughs> but I want to talk about hope. The fact that we carry hope. The hope of glory. The gospel is the solution to every problem, the key to every closed door, and the power to every barrier. The gospel is the solution to every problem, it is the key to every closed door, and it is the power to every barrier. Now before the gospel solves the world's problems through us, here's the question, and I think I've already asked it in a different way that we should ask. Are we experiencing a tr the transformational power of the gospel in our lives? I'm not talking about changing behavioral patterns. I'm not talking about getting it right for two days with your family, like me. Also very aware that God needed to really die for me. I'm not talking about how to adjust your speech and body language when you're around Christians. I'm not talking about accumulating good deeds to prove that God is working in you. I'm talking about being transformed from a place of rest. Being transformed from a place of rest, a place of knowing that you are loved and accepted, regardless of where you find yourself. That is the place where transformation takes place. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, or from verse 12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the di di division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I don't know how you feel whenever you read the scripture, but every time I read the scripture, I, I get a little bit nervous. Because I realize that often when I've run ahead of myself to make myself look a particular way, I've forgotten that God could see the whole time. That he's aware of exactly where I am. But thank God for salvation. It continues to say, no creature to whom, to whom we must give account no, sorry, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is beautiful. The word of God is like a double-edged sword. And often we, we, we I don't know, I, I, you know I've, I've been here many times and I know that the, you know, the word of God is, is, is well taken care of and preached well. And it's not like this double-edged sword that just destroys every heart. But often, the word of God could be received like that. Where God is just there to slice everything off. Regardless of where you find yourself. The word of God is like a double-edged sword. It penetrates 
through soul and spirit. That sounds deep and heavy. To me, it sounds like we should all walk into church kind of injured somehow. But you see, the way God works, as you continue reading here, you realize that what he's trying to show us is drawing us closer to him to gain the strength that we need, the courage that we need, the confidence that we need to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ without putting ourselves in the whole thing because we are weak, because when we are being judged, because when the word of God separates through our motives, so much more could be found that no one will ever get saved. And this is why we all need to find ourselves at the throne of grace. I love it, that it's the word of God. So whatever we try, God can already see it and beautifully look at, looks at us, knowing that we're trying in our effort because we do want to please him. But we can't please him by just surrendering. I love what we sang this morning about going up the mountain with open arms, meaning that you surrender any plan and any idea of what you think God is doing. I don't know if you're like me, whenever I'm going through a season, the minute I actually start identifying a story like that in the Bible, I start running to the conclusion. Oh, this is an Abraham Isaac moment. That's what you do. Oh, this is a Joseph moment. And that's not even what God is doing. That's why we've got to constantly surrender so that we can see what he is doing in us. So he beautifully calls us back to the fact that we must run with confidence to the throne of grace. Why? Because we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses, who was tempted in every way, but did not sin and died for us. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. I don't know if I would have died for you guys. <laughs> I, I've got to be honest. First, it is not with the fact that my pain threshold is this high. And so reality is that first slash would have been, that's it. Um, that was really painful, by the way. So, people, you are the sinners. I am God. I will not take the 38 slashes. I'm sorry. It's just, it's the most painful thing. This is what I'm thinking. That after being beaten, still having to carry a heavy cross, now, maybe, let's just say maybe I've got willpower to get to the, um, up, up on the mountain and get nailed on the cross. You know what I think would have been my most difficult moment? Is that thief talking next to me. <laughs> that would have been, okay. Listen, God, you know my heart. You know I've proven it. I've taken every beating. I've, I've taken every... Insults, I've taken everything. I will not take this guy <laughs> next to me. But you see, the cross is a finished work. That when, when we get to a place where we get tired of our own efforts, the cross comes into effect. So the sooner we lay down our efforts, the better Christ can work his power in us. A high priest that can sympathize, calling us to the throne of grace. Assurance, or our assurance rather, must come from God's love. 
or else significance will come from the things that we do for God. I want to look at Colossians talking about this. Colossians 1. And this is going to be me ending. And I want to look at, I'm going to read the whole thing. I know. Can you see my beautiful slide? I literally just put scriptures up there so I could have PowerPoint. <laughs> the word is better for you than my opinions, really. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. Anyway, Colossians 1. From verse 1 says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, Colossae, I tried, Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of, of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, and indeed in the word in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it, it, it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood it, the grace of God in, in truth, just as you learned it from um, just as you learned it from Epaphras Epaphras. <laughs> Our beloved fellow servant, he is faithful. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. In light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, or all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all fullness of things, whether of God was, of God was pleased to dwell. No? For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, we once were, who were once once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope 
of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of, from God that was given to me from, for you. To make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why read such a long passage of scripture? It's for us to break it down quickly before we end. Well, for me, that's what I thought, but now we will do it. And that's because if you look at this, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, to the Colossians. And he's writing to them because word has come to him that they are now um, listening or, or, or being taught a different gospel from what they had received. And so heresy was beginning to penetrate the church. But the interesting thing here is that Paul is writing to these Colossians, but he had never actually met them. The church um, that started in, 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 in Colossae, it started during Paul's three-year ministry in Ephesus. But he actually never made it there. So how did it start? Remember that guy earlier on, Epaphrasus, or Epaphrasus, Epaphrasus, Epaphras. Epaphras, is that what you say, Epaphras? He went to Ephesus during Paul's ministry, and he heard Paul proclaiming the gospel, and he received Christ as his Lord and Savior. And do you know what he did? He went back to Colossae, and he ministered the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the people in that town started getting saved, and that's how the church was birthed. It wasn't birthed by Paul going there to minister, or Timothy for that matter. It was actually this guy who went to Ephesus and heard the gospel for the first time, received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. How many of you know that he didn't have much with him? No knowledge as a pastor, no theology that he, that he needed before he started the church. He was just a guy who went and, and, you know, to sit under Paul's ministry, received Christ, went back, started the church. Now he goes back to Paul to say, Paul, Paul, the, the ministry that you gave us of Jesus Christ is now being ridiculed by this heresy that's coming in that now the members of our congregation are beginning to actually embrace. And so Paul writes this letter to them, not having met them, but they are going to be able to receive from Paul. What kind of a job has Epaphras done that not only has ministered the gospel, but made these people so tender and recognized, even when God is speaking through the people, his messengers? The people that minister the gospel. Yeah. See, this is not just about just one reaching someone so that I could feel good that I've saved someone to go to heaven. 
There's a hope that needs to come with this message that is lasting, that it will not need you to be in that place for this person to continue growing. There is something about the gospel of Jesus Christ when proclaimed, when we give people Christ as their hope of glory, when we have Jesus in us, Christ in you, that it continues to work in us. That the gospel is not just something that we preach to those people, to the lost, but the gospel is working and active and living in us on a daily basis. That with some people, they will come to know the Lord because of our, our not deeds, but our lives, a lifestyle. Noticing how you live, noticing how you are at the office, noticing that you keep transforming. You see, the key is not about being perfect. It's about transformation continuing to take place in your life. You will not be perfect. Jesus was perfect. We will be perfect in heaven. How many of you are excited about, about that? The, it, it says that we'll have glorious bodies. There will be no diets. <laughs> uh, hallelujah, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. No calories to count, no sugar, what not, no, no. Just glorious bodies. Just look amazing. Isn't that incredible? We will look amazing and there will be no one getting married. <laughs> it's amazing. So you will just flaunt your beautiful, glorious body for you. No one is going to be like, you know, and I shouldn't flaunt this one, but you know, in heaven. No painting. <laughs> Christ in you, the hope of glory. The kind of hope that we need to have will compel us to share with others. When we hear stories of suicide, that the first thing is not panic that comes into our hearts, but man, I need to get to at least the people that are around that person to give them the hope that I carry. Because we go through tough times. We heard it this morning too. We'll go through tough moments. But what is the hope that we carry? What do we hold on to during those moments? And when God takes you through a, a season, he doesn't really give you the details. You know, when it starts out, it feels like, you know, we're going to pray and we're going to fast and three months later, we're going to be out of this. And three months later, you are deeper than you were three months before. And you go deeper and deeper and you become discouraged. But then there's always a word that God sends, a friend that phones you. A friend that sends you an SMS, someone praying for you, and something is reignited in you, rejuvenated in you. You hear the word and it finds fertile soil, reaching just one, reaching this city has to come with the gospel that gives hope, not in us, but in Jesus Christ. When we give people that, they will have an, a lasting experience of experiencing his lo love that continues to transform them. But we too, you know that you actually feel more blessed whenever you give than when you receive? I know it feels good to receive, but it usually doesn't last as much as when you make a difference in someone else's life. How much more when you give them life itself? Jesus Christ. What gift have you given someone when you give them the Lord Jesus? And so as I conclude, 
Once again, looking at this, the verses 26 and 27, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. But it is now revealed to us. And this is why we've got to take the risk. We have to take the risk. Not because we're trying to step out and be more outgoing, but because there's a hope that the world desperately needs. And often we, some, we have to go through those things to be able to minister to someone who's now going through that, to say, hey, I went through that. I lost everything, absolutely everything. And I didn't even know how I was going to get out of it. And yet the Lord came through. But he didn't just intervene in the end. He had given me a word in the beginning. And I journeyed with him throughout. That gives us that ability to be able to minister that. It's revealed to us. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Please stand with me this morning. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that he made him who you know sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. A couple of years ago, I read the scripture, and I read it again. And then I asked the Lord, why is it not happening in my life? I was already a pastor of day. What do I mean by that? He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, I knew that Jesus had died for me, but to become the righteousness of God, I always felt like I needed to work for it that I needed to accumulate certain things, but do you know that the moment you receive Christ, you become the righteousness of God? Because it is now Jesus standing in your way and not you. It is now Jesus that God sees and not your blemish and not your sin and not your shortcomings and not the things that you define yourself by. He made him who knew no sin, a perfect sacrifice who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. It is done that simply. It is that simple. Yet so hard to fathom because we know who we are. But what we know is not who God says we are. And so this morning, I would like to pray for people that are that you probably don't have a relationship with God. Or maybe you, you think you have one, or maybe you have one, but haven't really confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That you would recognize that God has done the work that you are trying to do. This is how I usually put it for my students. You come to God, and He begins to cleanse you with His Word. And He begins to replace the negative words that you've received all your life with his word. But you don't come to God to first clean yourself and then go to him for him to cleanse you. That would be like saying, I need to take a bath in order for me to take a shower. No, you just walk into the shower and you let the word of God be the one that washes over the guilt, the pain, the shame, the confusion. And God wants to do that this morning. And I wonder if there, 
are people here this morning who would like to give me the opportunity to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior that you are standing here and you're saying I want that relationship that not only helps me have hope but also helps me recognize that he is Lord and master and has the ability to do the things that I can't do in my own strength that I'm tired of trying to get clean for God that I'm trying I'm tired of trying to do it in my own strength if that's you that's this morning please raise your hand and I'd like to pray with you if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning and you're saying Carol please give me that opportunity then please raise your hand and I'd like to pray with you is there anyone here that as I was speaking going through this from understanding that we reach out to the lost but thinking I can't really do it because I'm not really sure about my foundation I'm not really sure about my relationship that if that's you, I would like to pray with you. Is there anyone like that this morning? Okay. Well, we thank you, Lord. Then there's a second group of people that I want to pray with. And that's most of us who feel like, if I could speak this way, if I had this type of background, if I had this type of boldness, if I felt like my life was going right, then I feel like I could have the confidence to reach out. This is not just about getting you to do just one. This is not a campaign. This is where life happens. That the hope that we have received, we're able to transfer it. That the hope that we've received, we're able to give it to others. And if you find yourself at a place where you're like, but I just, I, I, I've got nothing to give. I feel like I'm going through my own things. I've got nothing to give. If that's you this morning, I mean, you can raise your hand, you can open them up. I'd like to pray for you. If there's anyone like that this morning, then please either open up your hands or raise your hands or whatever you feel comfortable with or bow your head or... Just make sure you give your neighbor space and not staring at them if their hands are raised. Father, you have given us Jesus, a perfect sacrifice. So perfect that we do not need to add anything to the cross. There is no need for us to do anything that you haven't asked or expect of us to do. You gave us your only son to die for us on the cross so that we might be the righteousness of God. Lord, I pray for those of us this morning who feel condemned often because we feel like we're not doing enough, that shame and guilt will be broken in the name of Jesus, that shame will not be their portion that they would know that they are enough in you. That, Father, your word would minister to them. That they would know that in you they are made whole. They are new. They are enough. And so for those of us who feel like we're not measuring up, help us this morning, Lord God, 
pour out your grace, your love, and your mercy. We ask for your love to fill us up, that it would be your love that compels us, that it would be your love that we experience. I pray for special moments this week, that people would encounter you, Jesus, that they would encounter the gospel, the truth about the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Thank you. Let's give God a big round of applause.